Proverbs 16, 9 says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Does that mean that we should not make any plans? Let's talk about it in this next episode of the Courage Cast. This is Courage Cast, encouraging one another so that more will believe. I have used this as justification for being lazy. I know several people who have clearly used this as an excuse to not make any plans. And I think that's one of the greatest mistakes you can make. If we don't plan and we just live our day willy-nilly as if we're going to things good things are going to happen, we're going to be mistaken and we're going to miss out on a lot of great great things. The Lord clearly throughout scripture talks about living with intention. It's the Lord that establishes our steps. The Lord determines our steps. It's in the day-to-day that we win and the Lord should lead and direct our day-to-day. But it never says that we should not make plans at all. Uh, It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that plans are bad and the Lord is the one that needs to direct your steps and that's the only thing that's good. That's not what he's saying here. In my opinion, he's saying that great gain comes from allowing a surrender to God leading your steps. But there's nothing wrong with making your plans. It doesn't say don't make plans. And that I think is one of the biggest mistakes people make is they don't plan. And so I want to talk to you today briefly about some foundations for time management. And then uh, I want to talk about uh, the productivity pyramid and uh, just briefly about the Franklin planner system that I follow. So my story is this, the reason i I'm so passionate about planning and uh, making sure that that you uh, that I plan my day and I plan my week and I plan my month and I plan my year as best I can. Is when I was younger, I was a sophomore in college, and it was the first time that I had really been out on my own, making my own decisions, and I was very very uh, undirected in my life. There was very little about my life that was intentional. And I I was basically allowing other people to make decisions for me instead of taking the lead and leading the life that God had given me. I was in the process. And for a very long time before that, allowing others to make decisions for me. And it, it became a very poor, poor excuse for, um, well, I guess my results were poor. My results were poor. I was close to failing out of college. Uh, my GPA was below a two at this point. This was the, the winter break between my first semester of 
sophomore year and my second semester of sophomore year. And it was at that time that my father, after seeing my GPA and paying $27,000 a year for my schooling, said to me, Eric, and I'm an only child here at this time, right? Eric, I'm not going to continue to pay for your school if you're going to blow it off like this. I am not going to continue to pay and for schooling if you are if you don't get your act together. And so he he said that to me as a as a very severe warning, but he didn't just leave me to figure it out on my own. He gave me some guidance and he gave me the gift of the Franklin Planner course, a one-day course on the importance of time management and the importance of living with intention and living a intentional life. And most importantly, then how to give me the tool, which is the Franklin planner. I still use it today. I still use the tools that I learned from the Franklin planner today. And, uh, so it was very, very important for, for me in my life at that time. And so I went from having a C minus close to a D in college to every semester from that point on. And the only difference was using a Franklin planner. I went from that, from, from that GPA to a Dean's list every single semester, graduating with a 3.3 GPA. It was a long haul. It was a very difficult road for me regardless, because those classes in the early years were a lot easier than the classes in the later years. But through God's grace and through planning and taking a look at my syllabus at the beginning of every semester and planning out when things were due and when I was going to do things, I wasn't perfect in it, but at least I had a plan for my life and a plan for how I was going to be successful making it through college and graduating with a degree that mattered and made a difference. So I am a big believer in planning. And the, uh, so we're going to dive into it here a little bit. I'm going to break this up into chapters, this episode, so that um, you don't have to, if you want to skip through some things, you can, but I want to just go through a very simple explanation of time management, overview of time management and what that means. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about the Franklin Planner. Uh, and hopefully you can make a decision for yourself whether this is something that you'd like to dive more deeply into. And I'll give you a link at the end so that you can um, uh, get certified. Even you can even get a little online certificate uh, in how to use, how to be a better planner and specifically how to use the Franklin planner to improve your life and to improve the organization of your life and the intention and the outcome of where you'd like to be. So the first thing I want to talk about is uh, f- the foundation of time management. Basically, time has no agenda. It is a currency that you have to spend. We all have the same exact amount of currency. We're all equally uh, enriched with the same amount of time. Now, some of us live longer, of course, but in terms of your daily time usage, As long as you are alive here, you have the same amount of time as everyone else who is alive here. You can't save it. You can't lose it. Use it later. Um, Time waits for no one. It is the great equalizer. Um, So uh, there's no excuses 
with time. All right. You can't manage it. The secret is learning to manage yourself. Okay. And another foundational principle is life is about managing events in your life. The basic element of time is that time is an event. You, ev- you mark various time periods by the events that took place and that take place in your life. And if you focus on managing events, and especially the events that, manage the, that matter the most to you, you're going to be successful. The key to managing time is controlling events. And the key to controlling events is understanding which events are within your control. Now, what is control? There are things that you have more control over and there are things that you have less control over. There are things that you have complete control over and there are things that you have almost no control over. Okay. You control completely when you go to bed, when you wake up, you control what you're going to wear. You control your attitude and how you're going to react when things don't go as planned or when things go as planned. There are things you can control. There are also things that you absolutely can't control. And that usually has to do with things outside of yourself, like what others think or say about you, the decisions that other people make, the weather, the traffic on the freeway. You can choose and control whether to take the freeway, but you can't control when you get on the freeway, what the traffic is like. Okay. So in somewhere between those two extremes of control and no control, there are also varying degrees of influence. There is always going to be some sort of degree where you're going to need to adapt and where you're going to need to, uh, where you have more choice. But there are, there are lots of gray areas is what I'm really saying. So here are some quick facts about control that I think is important to remember as well as a foundation. Where we have no control, we do have the choice to adapt. So if you get stuck in traffic on the way to the airport, you have no other option but to adapt. Another thing that you must adapt to is you you can't control other people. You can't control others' choices. You can't control their experiences. Um, you can't control their challenges. So you have to adapt. And, and that's a, a skill that takes some time to learn. Okay. And where we have total control, we have the freedom to choose. That's another fact. There, like we talked about, there are several areas where you have total control. You choose what to wear, what you what you're going to say, how you're going to react. You can, can you can choose how and when you will eat, exercise, when you're going to study, when you're going to work. Uh, you can choose what your goals are going to be and when you're going to work towards them, right? But there are other areas where you have different levels of control between no control and total control. This is, uh, these are in these instances, these are areas where you can influence an outcome to one degree or another, but you don't have total power over it. Your power is limited. Another fact to keep in mind is that there are events we can control, but we believe we can't. Now that's a, a totally different thing. The, the, the mind 
is a powerful, powerful thing. Uh, you may, in actuality, in reality, have control. But if you believe you can't control it, well, then do you really have control? I guess you don't because you're giving up your control when you believe you can't. So, um, you know, this, this could be something like, um, the, 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 the thing that you're, that you have more control over than you think you do. Uh, for example, this big, massive goal just seems too impossible that your belief is shattered and you just don't believe it's possible. And so you choose not to go for that. Okay. How many things in your life does that happen then? But there are other times when this is another fact, there are events we actually can't control, but we believe we can. Now these uh, can get us into trouble. Both can lead us down a negative path. Uh, When we believe we can't, but we actually can. And when we believe we can, when we actually can't. And usually those involve people. The second, the latter involves people. We usually can't change someone else's opinion. Uh, We can't control what others say about us. We can't help an addict get clean until they're ready. Uh, The only thing that we can control is to love them, be compassionate with them, and learn patience, right? Uh, That is true in most relationships. Um, And then another foundational uh, principle to time management is, um, or I guess it's really a problem with time that we can get ourselves into is the runaround dilemma, the runaround dilemma. See if this is something you can relate to. I certainly can because we don't know what is really important to us. Everything seems important. And because everything seems important, we have to do everything. And other people, unfortunately see us doing everything. So they begin to expect us to do everything and doing everything keeps us so busy. We don't have time to think about what is really important to us. And then guess what? We start to take another turn on the circle, the runaround dilemma, because we don't know what is really important to us. Everything seems important. (laughs) And you see, now we begin the cycle again. So if you can relate to this, shout, amen. I can relate to that right now. All right. Well, the goal is to, to learn how to overcome this. A um, couple of other foundational principles uh, is the, um, the understanding of your priorities. Okay. Um, there are four quadrants in the time matrix. The first quadrant is the urgent and important. These are the emergencies, the tight deadlines, the unexpected consequences. The second quadrant in the time matrix is the not urgent, but important. This is career, work, family time, personal goals. The third quadrant is not important, but urgent. These are distractions, electronic notifications for email or apps, texts, interruptions. And number four, the quadrant that is probably the least useful in your life is the not urgent and not important. This is the busy work. This is the time waster, the passivity, the 
I'm getting stuck on the social media bandwagon and I've lost complete track of time. The, can you guess which quadrant you want to spend the majority of your time in? Is it quadrant one, the urgent and the important? Well, I'm not necessarily so sure about that. Is it quadrant three? This is the urgent and not important. Mm, Nope. Is it quadrant four? The quadrant of default waste of time. No. It's actually quadrant two. The quadrant of leadership. You want to be in quadrant two the majority of your time. This is where you do most of your prevention, your planning, your improvement. And in 2019, this was the year I finally, finally made some progress towards some real growth in this area. And I committed to saying no to a lot of things. I cut stuff. I talked about this in the, I think it was the second two episodes ago where I talked about what I learned in 2019. I moved into quadrant two, planning, prevention, and improvement. This is where you want to live. Okay. Let's talk about the next section. Now the productivity pyramid, we're going to go through this really, really quickly. We're not going to take the time to do these things. You're going to take the time after you listen to this episode to do these things. So the foundation of the productivity pyramid is identifying your values. You want to build a strong foundation of governing values. You've heard this before, but many of us don't take the time to do this. So if you do nothing else after listening to this episode, this episode will be a waste for you if you don't do this very first thing. I want to challenge you to write out, define, and prioritize your values, the things that matter the most to you. Okay, and there's a great visual that I want to give you for how to determine what you value the most, because we do all value. You're lying to yourself if you uh, tell yourself that you can't define your values. You can. You're just probably very, very confused and you've confused yourself so much to the point where you just give up and quit, right? But I can guarantee you that you all have prioritized values. And and a lot of times you're not even aware of it. And here's a little exercise. I want you to imagine that you're standing on the edge of a cliff with a shallow river, small little river, like you see saw in those, in those roadrunner Roadrunner and Coyote videos. Okay, imagine you're watching that Coyote and Roadrunner cartoon and you're standing on a huge cliff with a little tiny river 200 feet below you and there's a large I-beam spanning the gulf of the cliff you're standing on um, and on the other side, about 140 feet away, uh, is the other cliff. So there's this big I-beam that uh, is a structure, you know, you've seen these I-beams. These are structures that uh, have a a, a larger top and bottom uh, vertical structure. They hold a great amount of weight and in between is kind of a vertical structure in the middle. So if you looked at it from from the side, they look like a large capital I, 
Okay. So there's this large I beam and, um, uh, on one side is you. And on the other side, on the other side of the, to the other cliff is a $10 bill. Would you walk across that I beam to get that $10? Probably not. It's probably not worth it for 10 bucks, right? Okay. So the value that is directing your actions in this case is safety. Nothing wrong with that. Safety is an important value. Okay. It's much worth much more to you than a little bit of money that maybe buy you two coffees. All right. But let's say on the other side of that cliff is your baby boy, your little toddler who is crawling around on the other side and getting very, very close to the edge. Okay. Would you, how quickly would you run across that beam to get to the other side to save and protect your child? Well, when you do this, you are exhibiting a prioritized value system. The value that is directing your actions in this case is love for your child. In this instance, your personal safety is less valuable to you than your love for your child. So with this object lesson in mind, go through your list of possible priorities, values in your life. And I want you to begin to circle the things that matter the most to you. Which are the values that will lead and direct your life? It's your choice. You must choose. Until you do this, it's going to be very difficult for you to make progress with your management of your time and to see real breakthrough in your life. Sorry, I wish it was easier than that, but that's really what you need to do. You need to take the time to do it. So it's time to be a big girl, big boy, and put your big boy pants on, big girl pants on, and start doing some adulting, right? It's time to mature. doesn't matter how old you are. It's time to do it. I had to do it. I've acted like a little baby many times and avoided this very difficult work, but it is very important. Hey, and a little something that'll help you with all of this is the seven-day challenge. I know it seems very self-serving that I keep mentioning this, but I know of no better way to grow in confidence than to walk through these seven days, seven days of challenges where you're going to learn and go through uh, exercises to, to understand your values, what values matter most, what your vision is and what your purpose is for your life. All right. So do those. Uh, the other thing that's very important is you, you need to understand what roles you have for your life, what roles you play in your life. We all play different roles. And there's an exercise in the franklinplanner.com slash training, uh, the link that I'm going to send you where you're going to walk through what roles are important to you. So the, uh, the next step in the pyramid is goal setting, goal setting. Uh, and I want you to get clear on your goals. The secret, I'll just leave you with this part of setting goals. The secret to reaching your goals is to plan them effectively. Goals 
are effectively planned when they are, number one, in line with your values. There you go again. You got to base your goals on the things that matter most to you. Number two, you have a time deadline related to them. There's a specific date when you're going to achieve that goal, when it's clearly and specifically defined, when you own it, you need to truly want what you're working toward to make the goal your own. It often helps to share your goal with others so they can support your efforts and hold you accountable. And number five, they need to be clear. They need to be realistic. They need to be realistic. Be sure that your goals are achievable within that amount of time. If you set too broad or too long-term of a goal, you got you to gotta break it down into small, short-term steps that uh, you can realistically reach. These need to be a stretch, but they need to be reachable and realistic. Okay. Now the Franklin planner system helps you through this process. And I want you to go through uh, the franklinplanner.com slash training. It's a, it's a free downloadable practice goal planning form. Very easy to walk through. Now, next, the next part of the pyramid, and we're almost through, we're getting towards the top is planning weekly. Weekly planning is simply setting some time aside each week to assess your goals. Some tips for effective planning. You want to schedule a day for weekly planning. My day for planning my week ahead usually starts on Saturday and doesn't finish until Sunday. Okay. I take a day to sort of work through my plan. I revisit it over time, but Really, it's just a, the weekly plan is usually about 30 minutes, takes about 30 minutes, and you want to sort of try to be in the same place each week. Um, My time for planning is always the two hours that I have when I am sitting watching my daughter practice her gymnastics. I have two hours to plan, to go through our finances, to do some budgeting, and uh, I take that time. I can work on that while looking up and and watching her do her uh, gymnastics every Saturday between nine and 11. That's where you're going to find me. And I make it a weekly habit. Actually, I'm super disappointed when I can't go uh, watch my daughter do that because it's a trigger for me to do my weekly planning. All right. Um, There's much more involved in this weekly planning, um, but uh, the Franklin planner is set up for you to do this in a very, very, um, adequate, adequate way. And one of the things that is super important is to, um, understand this concept of, um, planning and scheduling your big rocks. I've talked about this before. Um, the, the big rocks are the biggest five things that you want to accomplish in the week. Uh, and these are immovable things that, that must happen in your week in order to move and make progress towards your goals. It's really, really important to start with your, your big rocks. Um, so you want to imagine filling up a jar, a glass jar um, full of the rocks that, that matter uh, most. Okay. So uh, you, uh, it's very difficult to put, fit your big rocks into a jar that already has a lot of little pebbles that has a lot of sand that has some smaller rocks in it. Okay. So first things first, get those rocks in there. Then next you want to round out your week with the smaller 
pebbles and sand that is maybe not as important. You want to fill up about 80% of your jar with that quadrant two, those not urgent, but important things, right? And then the pebbles and the rocks and the smaller pebbles and the sand is what fills up the other 20% of your time, all right? So uh, that's a really, really important principle for you to kind of grasp those big rocks. What are those big rocks you want to accomplish in the week? Then the last step is your daily planning in the the pyramid. Um, The Franklin Planner has a great way. uh, There's really five steps for following a daily plan. And this is basically how it works. All right. In your daily planning, you, uh, what I like to do is I like to make a a master list of everything the night before or the day before when I'm finished with my day or I'm finishing my day, I I write out what my, based on my weekly rocks that I want to accomplish, I, uh, I'm writing out my list of daily things I want to accomplish the next day. And then after I've made my list, I will then prioritize it based on A, B, and C, okay? Now, um, after I've, how, how do I decide what is an A and what is a B and what is a C in my life? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. It's very, very simple. Um, I'm going to uh, make a decision based on high value, medium value, or low value. Is every task of equal value? No, no, they're not. They're not. Um, So it's very important. Our most valuable tasks are based on our governing values. A is usually going to be something that's based on my top values. These are tasks related to the things that matter the most to me, the things that I stand for, right? And so then I'm going to assign a value a is vital or high value. It doesn't mean it's most urgent. Don't confuse an A is not most urgent. But these are things that uh, you'd really like to do today. Like if, if I accomplish only one thing or these top things, these A things, all, the A things are going to really give me that fulfillment of, yes, I did. Today was a high value day. All right, the B, these are the medium value things. These these are things that should be completed today. So A is must be completed today. B is should be completed today. And C is these could. C stands for could, optional, low value. These could be completed today. Remember, vital does not mean urgent. All right. Uh, I choose no more than five of each of these categories in a day. There's absolutely no way that I can accomplish more than 15 valuable things, even low valuable things in one day. So I limit myself to five. If I have too many A's, then I'm going to cross those off and I'm going to put them um, for the next day because there's absolutely no way that I can accomplish uh, more than five A things. So A, B, and C. And then So my last step here in this process of daily planning is then I will mark in order of which one I'm going to do first, which one I'm going to do second, which one I'm going to do third. And, um, and, and basically that's how I define which one I need to work on first. So there's no guessing. I already know what my day is going to look like the night before or 
the morning of, if, if I didn't plan the night before, I'll usually sit down and take five minutes to plan um, what my day is going to look like um, based on my schedule. All right. So, um, and I said five earlier, but a Franklin planner actually recommends no more than three of each. And I actually really like that. I'd like you to try to limit it to three, uh, but start with five if you absolutely can't and you're new at this, but you, you want to hone it down to about three because it just, it's just easier to know that you only have nine major things to do that day. All right. Um, so that's a really, really uh, important uh, thing. There's a lot more involved in the, in the uh, productivity um, pyramid, and, but you'll need to go to the uh, franklinplanner.com slash training uh, website uh, to really um, get the fullest out of that. All right. So uh, now we're moving into the, uh, the second to last part of our conversation here, which is the Franklin Planner system. Um, and we're, we're not going to talk a lot about um, this uh, in that it's, it's really a pretty basic, uh, but it's broken into several different things. Uh, there's a flexible section. There is a specific section, um, on one side of a Franklin planner, the flexible, that's that list of things that are, that's your daily task list and your specific, that's your calendar, your appointment schedule. These are these are things that are hard that you cannot change. They, they are hard and fast and they are specific to what you're going to do at that time of the day. All right. Um, and then there's also a, uh, flexible master task list that I like to kind of reference for every month. And then there's specific, uh, monthly, uh, obligations and things that you mark off in your planner, which is really, really awesome. Um, and so uh, the, the great thing about the Franklin planner is that there's, there's just a lot of, um, capturing, there's a place to capture information and then there's a place, uh, to, um, make notes. So for example, if I'm going through my day, what I love about the Franklin planner is on the second part of my day, there is, uh, on each day, there's a place for me to write notes. So I have like a journal in there. So as I'm working through my day, I journal my, my day or make a note about a calculation of something, or I'm talking to someone and I just want to capture my notes. That's where I capture everything. And that a lot of times I take the notes from that day and I use it to plan the next day. All right. So there's a, a great option for capturing everything that you need to do all in one section. So you really don't even need a journal, so to speak. You, the, your journal is right there with you in your planner. All right. So, um, that is in essence, what the, what the Franklin plan, what each Franklin planner entails. There's lots of other aspects to a Franklin planner that we're not going to dive into today. We don't need to, uh, but it's, it's such a great tool for being more effective in your planning. All right. So, uh, that is in essence, what a Franklin planner is and how to use it, uh, and why it's important to manage your time and stop letting it manage you. So yes, the Lord directs your steps. And what I love about the Franklin planner is that you can plan, but 
the Lord is going to ultimately direct your steps and he's going to um, allow the Lord to speak into your plans. Allow the Lord to speak into the plans that you're making. Give time, adequate time to listening to what he might be saying so he can direct your steps. You can make wonderful plans, but those plans need to be somewhat flexible to allow the Lord to guide you and make changes and um, allow you to, to adapt to what, how he might be leading you. Because at the end of the day, when you surrender to him, it is the best place to be. Um, and so when you use a Franklin planner in conjunction with prayerful, uh, prayerful planning, I, I guess that's probably how I would call it. I call what I do prayerful planning gives enough room for the Lord to, to be surrendered to what it is that he wants me to do. But yet there's a stewardship of this time that I've been given the stewardship of the relationships that I've been given. And there's a stewardship of, of the, uh, the tasks and the gifts that I've been given. Um, I believe there's a the wonderful thing about following Jesus and being a, a follower of Christ is that um, there's a certain level of responsibility, but there's also a certain level of surrender. And when you find that, that, Symbi- symbiosis between the the two, if that's even a word, um, that's really where I feel like I'm 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 walking out my life in a in a very prudent way and uh, maximizing the the God life that uh, that I have. All right, all right. Well, that's it, friends, for me. Uh, I hope that what I've shared with you, as imperfect as it is, um, I hope it's given you a little bit of a glimpse and maybe inspired you to uh, look into a Franklin Planner. I, I have given you a link to um, possibly learn more about how to use your Franklin Planner by going to the link that I provide you in the show notes. But I also have my planner linked there. It's an affiliate link that I have with the Franklin Planner Company. Um, and uh, so full disclosure on that, but you can click on that link. And whenever you do click on that link and purchase your Franklin Planner, uh, I will be uh, receiving a little bit of affiliate income from that. It's one way to support this Courage Cast podcast. Uh, and so hopefully you'll maybe choose to do that. But um, regardless, I want you to live a more intentional life. The Franklin Planner is one tool, very, very important tool, foundational tool for me in uh, living the life that I intend to live based on my values. And, um, and what do I want? What do I want to leave behind the legacy I want to leave? All right, friends, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you for allowing me to be a little bit more geeky today. And I look forward to hearing in the courageous community from you, how this episode has impacted you. That's it for me. I'm Eric Nordoff and you're listening to the courage cast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the courage cast. I want to invite you in to taking the next step in your journey towards living your most courageous life. You can do that very simply by visiting courageouscommunity.com forward slash challenge. That's courageouscommunity.com forward slash challenge.